Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Well, happy Mother's Day, everybody. This is the kind of day that some of us are just really excited about. Like this morning, my kids were really excited to give me all the things that they had made, especially the little ones. And then my husband gave me a gift that just keeps on giving. He gave me this mug, and I thought, oh my goodness, this is a really plain mug. Awesome. And then he was like, hey, put your coffee in it. And so I put the coffee in the mug and I thought it was going to change color. And sure enough, it did. And as it was changing color, I thought there was going to be a sweet message on it. But instead, it said something along the lines of, like, every time I see you, I like to touch your butt. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day to me. Welcome to the Billups family, right? Now, Mother's Day is wonderful, but brothers and sisters, let me just say, sometimes it's absolutely complicated, isn't it? Like, I know this morning I was praying for couples that I know personally who are struggling through issues of infertility. I know uh, people out there that that have lost their mamas just this year or have lost their mamas years ago, and yet that pain is still so real and so raw. There are those of you who don't have great relationships with your kiddos or maybe even your mother. And so when it comes to Mother's Day, well, friends, there's a pain there, isn't there? We are the body of Christ. We are here to hold one another in our hearts. We are here to hold each other's pain. So let's just take a moment to do just that. Let's pray for one another. Lord Jesus, in the midst of this day that we celebrate Bamas, those who we name and who have walked alongside us in this journey of faith, God, we give you thanks. But God, we also recognize it's complicated. That sometimes that word mother has pain and suffering, disappointment and heartache all wrapped up in it. Jesus, you are our healer. You bind us together. You walk with us, even in moments where it's hard to walk forward. Lord Jesus, help us to hold one another in our hearts. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. You are our rock, our Lord, and our Redeemer. And everybody said, amen and amen. Well, parents, we know that navigating your kiddos alone is not an easy business. So here at Gingham Circle, we want to walk alongside of you to help your kids become the Jesus followers that they were destined to be. We love that you have brought your kids into church. It is amazing to hear all of these small noises of kiddos throughout the sanctuary. And brothers and sisters online, I hope you can hear that because we are full of babies today. And I absolutely love that, right? Isn't it awesome to hear just children's voices in worship? That means we're doing it right. We're doing exactly what God's calling us to do. It's why here at Gingham Surg, we take the light of Christ that is yellow and the heart of the home that is 
red, and we smush them together to maximize our impact on kids and students. And that is orange. We are here to help you raise your kids as fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. We want them to have fun. We want them to belong. We want them to make a difference in the world, to leave a legacy, yes, even as kiddos. And that's what we've been talking about these last few weeks, leaving a legacy. We've looked at the life of God's prophet, Elijah, who left an incredible legacy. And when we dive into Elijah's life, we see our own. And today we're we're mining a little bit of Bible gold, looking at the question, how can I hear the voice of God? Now, brothers and sisters, let me get you up to speed if you haven't been walking with us. Elijah has experienced the triumph of a mountaintop experience, and yet at the same time, just right after that, the valley of defeat. He's on the run when we encounter him today, and he doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know what to do. He is listening for the voice of God. Now, I can imagine that there are some of you saying to yourself, I wish I could hear God. I mean, I've had friends say things like, I heard God say, and when they say that, I'm like, cool for you, but I've never heard God say anything. Well, friend, if that's you today, you are in the right place because listening for the voice of God is complicated, takes intention, and we're going to discover exactly what it means to open ourselves up to that God possibility. So I want to invite you to open up your Bibles and your Bible apps and turn with me to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings chapter 19. Now the Old Testament is like the first half of your Bibles. And if you're on your Bible app, keep scrolling. You are going to find it. 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to start with verse 1 today. Church, you with me? All right. The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied. I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophet to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. If you ever wondered if a prophet ever whined in the Bible, well, here you go. Anyhow, the Lord said, go out and stand in the mountain, uh, in the mountain of the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. That sounds promising, and so that's exactly what Elijah does. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and scattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Did you hear that question twice at the beginning? What are you doing here, Elijah? And again at the end, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah was running, running from God. And and maybe just maybe that's how you feel like you're experiencing your life right now. Maybe it's not running from God, but you're running from place to place to place to place. Particularly for you parents out there, always taking your kid from activity to activity. You got practice and recitals and appointments There are some of us parents, you know, when you have multiple kids, you're going to have to put that on an Excel spreadsheet. Which parent, which friend is carpooling? Anybody feeling me on this, right? Your life is completely busy. And not just parents. Many of you out there who are retirees, you come up to me and you say, Pastor Rachel, I've never been more busy in my life. I need to go back to working because my life was simpler back then. Any retirees feeling that way today? Yeah, a few of you, right? And it's interesting to me because when I come up to people and I say, how you doing? They say, fine, 
but I'm busy. As though busy is some kind of badge of honor. Where did we get that language? Like, busy is good. Now, don't get me wrong. We're going to be in seasons that are more chaotic than others, but I wonder if we could ever take a deep breath and recognize that busy isn't always best. That actually God designed you and I to live at a certain pace. Sometimes what I call the pace of grace. What's your pace these days? Now, Jesus invited us to live a certain kind of pace. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said, are you tired, worn out? I imagine there are some mamas in the room who can say a mighty amen. Burn out on religion, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, living at the pace of grace does not mean that you're gonna quit everything, that you're gonna isolate, that you're gonna pull your kids out of every activity and start living like a monk. That is not how it works. It just means that you're gonna take an inventory of your entire lives and you're gonna say yes to the things you need to say yes to and no to the things that you need to say no to. Do you know that N-O is like one of the most powerful words in our English language? Sometimes we just got to say no. And then we got to engage in practices that are life-giving to us, that, that when we are pacing, that we can position ourselves to actually hear the voice of God. What if we engage in a practice that, that I call running prayers? Running prayers are those prayers that we pray at any time, in any season, no matter what we're doing in our lives. If we're taking our kids to practice, well, we pray on the soccer field. If we're at the grocery store and we see someone who looks like they're in need, either we have the courage to actually pray with them, or at least, at the very least, we pray in our hearts. What if we started engaging in running prayers? The Apostle Paul to the uh, Jesus followers in Thessalonica said it this way, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray constantly? Give thanks all the time, like all of the time? That sounds like a running prayer to me. Now, I want to encourage you, whether you're a parent, non-parent, married, single, hashtag it's complicated, any circumstance, to embrace the season that you're in and engage in one of these simple running prayers. One of my favorite authors, Anne Lamont, says there's only really two prayers that we ever pray. Help me, help me, help me, Lord. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Maybe it's just a simple word like wisdom. God, I need wisdom in this moment. Maybe it's a prayer of desperation. God, I need to hear your voice. Whatever it is, engage in those simple prayers. Living at the pace of grace means leaning into the season that you're in and practicing these prayers no matter where you are. Simple, ordinary life. Brother Lawrence discovered the key to just practicing the presence of God when, when he was washing dishes in his book, practicing the presence, he said this, God doesn't ask much of us, merely a thought of him from time to time. A little act of adoration, sometimes to ask for his grace, sometimes to offer him your suffering, 
At other times to thank him for the graces past and present. He has bestowed on you in the midst of your troubles to take solace in him as often as you can. Lift up your heart to him during your meals and in company. The least little remembrance will always be the most pleasing to him. One need not cry out very loudly. God is nearer to us than we think. God's nearer to us than we think. So while you're washing dishes, cleaning your car, pumping gas, wherever you are, live at the pace of grace. Pray these simple prayers. Now, Mr. Billups and I, we have engaged in all kinds of prayer practices with our kiddos. Every morning we pray with our teenagers before they go out the, the door and we make them say the Lord's Prayer with us, even though it sounds sometimes like our Father who aren't in heaven, right? I don't care, you're saying it. And then we give them hugs because guess what? We're probably the only people that are gonna hug them throughout the entire day. We want our kids to know that they're loved not just by us, but also by the God of the universe. We pray at mealtimes. Just the other day, Sarah was praying at mealtime and she was like going through the prayer really quickly and I was like, that is a record, a speed record there, kid. Let's take a deep breath before we pray. It's not always perfect, it's not always as holy as we want it to be, but we have these practices on the regular so that we, as people of God, can just live at the pace of grace. What does that look like for you? When you get up in the morning, before you even get out of bed, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for waking me up another day. Maybe as you're driving to work, it is, help me, help me, help me, right? <laughs> Whatever that prayer is, pray that on the regular. Live at the pace of grace. And then, name your place. Name your place. It's not by accident that Elijah is up on a mountain. In the ancient world, mountains were thought to be very holy spaces and places, places where you encountered the divine. Of course, you had to go up high where heaven meets earth to experience God. And so there he was on a mountain, Mount Horeb. Now, for those of you who recognize Mount Horeb as sometimes in the Old Testament called Mount Sinai. It's on Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, that, that Moses experienced God on multiple occasions, received the Ten Commandments, experienced the presence of God as holy ground. Not just Moses, not just Elijah. Jesus himself encountered God on a mountain, took Peter, James, and John, and experienced what we know as the transfiguration. Mark chapter nine, verse two. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain, and they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. There appeared before them Elijah and Moses. That's surprising, right? No, not surprising. They were talking with Jesus. Mountains can be these really, really holy spaces. So do we have to go on a mountain to actually encounter the God of the universe? No. I mean, look around you here in this room. You, you recognize that this is flatland right here. We're surrounded by cornfields, right? No mountain here. But we've got to be intentional to experience God. Maybe you go out in the woods. I know that when I'm out hiking, I just feel this absolute presence with God. Or maybe just maybe you go to a body of water, a lake, or even the ocean, and when you're standing there, you're like, ah, oh, God, you're so amazing and so big. 
places, holy places. Take intention. And, and it's that holy place that gives you a picture that's bigger than yourself. Sometimes I'll go over to Catholic churches because, you know, like this church is, is awesome, but it's not as pretty as a Catholic church on the inside. So I go over to a Catholic church and I'll just sit in the sanctuary. I'll sit in awe and wonder. The architecture just feels holy. Sometimes when I want to create holy space, I'll just be outside on my back porch or even at my kitchen table and I'll just light a candle reminding me that the presence of Christ is here with me. Intentionally creating holy space. What does that look like for you? For Elijah, it was this mountain and the Lord said to him, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, uh, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Sometimes I want to ask scripture questions like, then who was, right? <laughs> after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. That's where the Lord was. Friends, the point of this scripture isn't that God only whispers to us on the mountains. No, God uses what God chooses. Say that with me. God uses what God chooses. Just a few chapters earlier, God came down from fire with heaven. Or yes, yes, fire from heaven. That's what I'm supposed to say. Fire from heaven, right? So sometimes in our fury, we kind of like pigeonhole God into a certain place or space. God, you can only work this way. Now, when I was young in ministry, I kind of had this attitude that God only works through the most charismatic of ways, what we sometimes call the charismata or the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when I was a supply pastor in my 20s, I was serving these two little country churches and I got rid of everything that even smelled of liturgy, any remote thing that looked like liturgy. So no hymnals, no creeds, no repeated prayers. All of it was gone because it was just going to be us and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's what I thought. And so I had this attitude that this is really how the Lord wanted to work. And then I found myself in Moscow, Russia. I was in the Kremlin, and inside the Kremlin, there was an Orthodox church that I was standing inside of. I happened to be there because I was invited by a mentor, Ann Brandon, uh, to speak at a women's conference for the Church of God Anderson in Chelyabinsk, uh, there in Russia, and who was a Holy Spirit experience. So there I am standing at the Kremlin, and in this Russian Orthodox Church, there is nothing but icons lining this this scrim, this whole like wall of icons. I was in awe and wonder. Now, if you don't know what an icon is, it is this like piece of art, but not just art. The Russian Orthodox Church believes that icons are windows into the divine. There's actually this like spiritual experience that someone goes through in order to even create one. So there we were. I was looking at all of this. And then I noticed there was this older, I mean, more seasoned woman in the corner. She was probably in her 90s and she was lighting candles and she was praying and she was weeping weeping. And then I had one of those experiences, maybe you've experienced this before, where everything in the room gets a little bit fuzzy, almost kind of dark. You kind of don't notice anything else, and you just feel like the presence of God so thick you could kind of taste it. And I felt like I was hearing God, not like in an audible voice, but like an impression in my heart. 
I felt like the Lord was saying, Rachel, quit trying to limit me. Do you see this woman? She lived through communism, through the Cold War. She lived through atheism, and yet she is still worshiping me. She's worshiped me the whole time. She's done it in a very liturgical way. Quit trying to confine me to a particular box. I'm not Orthodox or Protestant. I'm not Catholic or charismatic. I am God of it all. And God is God of it all. Do you love it when God, like, puts you in your place, right? That day I realized, like, it all belongs. All of it is a part of experiencing God. And so we have all of these flavors, contemporary, charismatic, traditional, orthodox. It goes on and on and on. And yet we all worship the same God. Friends. In order to experience the holy, we've got to be intentional about the place, open ourselves up for hearing the voice of God. And once we've been intentional about our pace, intentional about our place, we also have to recognize our posture. Now, let me say a word about posture. And the same way that there is no like perfect place or pace, there is no perfect posture. Posture really is all about humility. Let's go back to verse 12. After the fire came a gentle whisper, and then Elijah heard it. He pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave, and then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? In that moment that Elijah felt the voice of God, he recognized, wow, this is God's presence, and this is too holy for me. So what does he do? He covers his face as a sign of reverence and humility. Not the only time in scripture. It's Moses when he's on that holy mountain and he takes off his shoes because he knows he's standing on holy ground. It's Hannah when she's praying in the temple, breathless, wordless prayers. It's Peter when he's in a fishing boat and Jesus performs a miracle and he gets down on his knees and he says, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. All of it, a a posture of humility. Even King David, thought to be the greatest king in Israel's history, after his dumpster fire of a mess up, including murder and adultery, positions himself in humility when he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. It's posture of humility. Now, friends, one of my favorite preachers, Danielle Strickland, has this posture of humility that she practices on the regular just to position herself to listen to the voice of God in her life and the lives of the people around her. It's about surrender generosity, mission. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands up like this. We're just going to pray together. Lord Jesus, we surrender. We surrender all of our pride, all of our insecurity, all of our fear. God, we surrender all of the pain that we have concerning this day. Our frustration. God, we surrender our hopes and our dreams and our future to you. We surrender. 
Next, I want you to clench your fist and then open them up. Generosity. Lord Jesus, we are open-handed with everything that you give us. Everything that you've given us is actually yours. And so God, we wanna be good stewards of all of our resources. Yes, material resources, financial resources, but also people resources. God, we wanna share to live a generous life, loving in tangible ways, everyone around us. God, help us to live open-handed in a world that's heck-bent on being clinched. And finally, let's put our hands in front of us like this. Mission. God, use our arms and our hands and our whole bodies in service to you. God, we want to be a help to the world, the problems of the world that surround us. God, this morning when I was reading the news about Ukraine, I just started weeping. Lord God, how long, how long? And yet, help us to be the answer to our very own prayers. God, send us out to make a difference in this world, to be the people, your people, Christ's body who transforms the world with your unconditional love. Place, pace, posture. God, we want to hear you. We need to hear you. We pray this and we claim this in Jesus' name and everybody said, I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.